I'm Zoraida Cordova, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. Another chapter is here. This is Don't Burn the Sacred Text. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I am here with my co-host. She is cooler than Doc Ondar and Cheer It Baze and, and Baze having a conversation. It's Lindsay. Oh, man. One of these days, you're going to come up with something that I can actually live up to. But today is not that day. Today is not that day because, you know what, Lindsay? You put, all, you put in all the legwork for this. So I'm going to throw it to you. We have another person on the ship with us today. <laughs> Who is it? We do. We are so lucky to have one of the best authors, in my opinion, officially, to, as of today. Zoraida Cordova is with us today. Hi, guys. Thank you. That's such a great introduction. No, you know, I, I really do mean it. You know, we've had a lot of kind of classic discussion in terms of the authors that I feel like everyone's gotten so used to over the past few years. But you have just come on and you've gotten us really, really hyped for the future of Star Wars, we'll say. So we're really excited to get to chat with you today. Thank you. And for those yeah. of you who are not in the know, uh, Miss Cordova is the author of the new book that came out, Crash of Fate, which came out this week. So um, I do have to say, on top of what Lindsay said, like one of the things while reading this book that excites me is it doesn't have the feel of just another Star Wars book. And, and I want to dig into that a little bit later. But uh, okay. just kind of introduce yourself to our audience. Like tell them... Uh, uh, kind of how you got started in writing and, and maybe even how you got started in Star Wars. Yeah, so I started writing when I was 13 years old. I was I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life. Like Originally, I wanted to be a flight attendant, and then I wanted to be Indiana Jones, and then I realized that those two things were not going to work out. But then when I was 13, uh, I... I decided to become, a, I wanted to be a writer because I saw another writer who was my age who had gotten published by uh, Random House, Delacorte, and her name was Amelia Atwater Rhodes, and she wrote vampire books. Um, and so after that, I started pursuing everything. I got published when I was 24, 23. Uh, so I've been in this for like seven, eight years now, and it has been a very long ride but I'm super happy that I was able to become part of the Star Wars book family. Um, and I got started with that, I think, through Twitter. <laughs> Some good things come from Twitter. Uh, <laughs> On the rare occasion. <laughs> yeah, and I just remember tweeting, like, I want to write a YA about Poe Dameron when he's a teenager flying around the galaxy kissing a bunch of people and I definitely didn't use the word kissing but um <laughs> somebody <laughs> at Del Rey was like uh emailed me l later that night they emailed my agent and they were like we heard Zoraida's a Star Wars fan does she want to write be part of the anthology so I that's how I got I I think I don't know if she actually saw the tweet or if it just was coincidence but we don't believe in coincidences in no. my book we believe in fate 
Uh, <laughs> All is as the force makes... wills it. <laughs> exactly. And, well, I ruined um, a good story. <laughs> and so, and you know, that's how I got part to be part of the anthology. Um, and I guess my name was just in in the in the pool when when Disney Lucasfilm was figuring out who was going to write a YA romance for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. That's so cool. So tell us a little bit about that process, because that's always something I've been really not only just interested in, but curious with how that works, getting all those people on board and making sure that there's no crossover, making sure that you're not contradicting something in someone else's story. I think that because I'm writing for the Galaxy's Edge uh, sequence of the world, or the galaxy, uh, there isn't uh, there isn't a lot of information yet. Uh, mm-hmm. The s- story group does read your the books, so if there is some sort of conflict, they will tell you. Um, okay. And and I, so I didn't really have to worry that much about it. Um, but I did since uh, the other book is by Delilah Dawson, Black Spire. Um, we did chat a little bit about when our books take place so that our books are it obviously they could have taken place at the exact same time uh but hers takes place in the beginning of this the galaxy's edge sequence whereas mine takes place almost to the very i don't know how much everybody knows about the ride of the resist the rise of the resistance in in the in the the, the theme park but it's like right up to that like just before that is when my the the, the events of my book and obviously the That's events so of my cool. book are take place within 24 hours so yeah and that I think was something that really interested in me because it didn't feel too fast-paced where it was like I didn't I didn't feel rushed reading Mm -hmm. it but I felt like it it had that fast pace where it kept everything really suspenseful and you know it, it has that edge of your seat feeling and I remember being about halfway through and thinking, oh my God, wait, this is all in one day. This is so cool. <laughs> you know, so was that, I mean, I, I do have a lot of questions about um, this book and this story, some of the challenges, yeah. but Hit was me. it your idea to do everything all in that one day? Or was that something you were told you had to do? No, that was my idea. I pitched it as Before Sunrise, that Ethan Hawke movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I was like, what about Before Sunrise, but set on Batuu with, like, explosions? <laughs> so, uh, so not just, like, Before Sunrise. But just yeah, before. there's no Parisian, you know, boardwalk or whatever. Uh, so it was, you know, just to get the feel of, like, a romance happening in 24 hours. Like, how did how do we do this? And everybody was really game. They were like, okay, cool. Like, do it. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, it, it felt so realistic too, and almost reminiscent of when I was about that age, you know, I was, I was absolutely cracking up at the, the one scene where Jules's friends are giving him a hard time for being that hopeless or romantic and, you know, kind of falling in love eight times a day, because I have this one friend who I won't name John. (laughs) Um, and John, I've known since I think we were, you know, 14 and 15 and to this day, He's we so still awesome. make fun of him like that. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole time, for the rest of the story, I'm I'm uh, listening to it, and it's just the every single time I was like, "This is so John. This is so John." And it just so funny. So hold on, hold on now. Being that age. In defense of Uh-oh. John, I'm a hopeless romantic like that too. 
So, John, you're so, good, man. So you're Jules. Oh, very much so. Very much so. I People depend on me for stuff, and I don't even know why, and I'm a hopeless romantic. Yes, absolutely. I connected with Jules from the get-go. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. Well, that's one of the things, though. Like, this book, you... And I, this is a very Star Wars thing. You don't spend a lot of time setting things up. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, you start off with, with uh, Jules and Izzy as they're already friends. Um, you jump to where they're already have been separated for, I believe it's 16 years, 13 years? 13, 13, 13 yeah. years, okay. Um, the, the You blow right by parents passing away and all this tragedy that they've had in their lives, but at the same time, you're able to get us to connect with these characters and make these characters feel real without spending 70, 80 pages of just setup. So backstory. Yeah. 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 What was the, what was your mindset with that and your, and your approach to, to doing that? Cause it's very a new hope. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I definitely wanted to have the feel of episode four where, because my, 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 the spark for these characters are young Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. Um, and so when I was, when I was putting this together, I sort of thought about the way that I approach characters is when you meet somebody as an adult, you're already, you're meeting them as they are now. And you don't know all of this baggage that, that, that they have. So like everybody carries all of this stuff around with them and you don't know all of it right away, but you get to know somebody. So mm-hmm. as they're, as Izzy and Jules are talking, they can, they can sort of start to drag out the things that have happened in their lives. Um, and you get to know everything along the way. And that's how, that's how, like, that's how you interact with people on a regular basis. So why not put that in, in a book like this? Um, and I also write romance under a pen name, uh, Zoe Castile, Zoe with a Y. Um, <laughs> and, and so I spent a lot of time thinking about how, how people interact when they're, tr- when they're like falling in love. Um, and I know that that sounds like super twee, but, (laughs) (laughs) but but it doesn't because it's, I think so different from how a person normally acts, but kind of shows their true colors. So it must be such a fun area to explore. Yeah. Um, and I think structurally, uh, you know, figuring out who Jules and Izzy are and what they want was, was really what drives the entire narrative. Um, because otherwise oh, they sure. could just be on Black Spire Outpost drinking at Oga's and making a droid at the Droid Depot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's cool, though, that you were able to work all that in while still having that strong structural component of the story and still having these really, really well-developed characters. But, um, I mean, I personally feel like if I were to blindfold myself and walk into Galaxy's Edge after reading Crash of Fate, I could probably still navigate my way around <laughs> and I Great. could still understand what was going on around me. So it was just such a cool balance. Thank you. Did you yeah. did you actually get to go to Galaxy's Edge ahead of time and kind of scout things out and or was it Sadly no. No. Okay. So <laughs> so how did they what, what was the approach to getting you to understand Galaxy's Edge and the different aspects of it um and, and stuff to bring into your story? Because from, I mean, I haven't been to Galaxy's Edge, but from what I've seen of it and what I've heard of it from uh, people on our network, 
your your stuff matches up with exactly what I've envisioned. Excellent. That's so good to hear. Um, I was given, so Delilah and I were both given access to some documents, uh, which the moment you log on, they're watermarked down to the second that you opened it, and it has your name all over it. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No like, pressure. And then, and then your computer explodes when they realize you're done reading it. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and and so I, I basically just had that queued up on my iPad next to me as I was writing. Okay. Um, because I would have to keep flipping back and forth to like, oh, wait, where's the market again? Like, where's, you know, so I drew myself a little map and then and then um, used some of my Funko Pops to sort of navigate my my <laughs> cartoon, my like uh, my Izzy and Jules around my my very ugly 2D map. <laughs> um, and I do this for all of my fantasy fiction because I write YA fantasy as well. Um, I always make a map so that I know where everything is. And I, especially during battle scenes, hard to keep track of people. And these 24 hours is like a battle scene because there's so much happening. And I had to basically track everybody, make sure there's no Star Wars cup. I mean, um, Starbucks cups <laughs> in, my, in my shot. Uh, <laughs> uh, and stuff like that, you know? So it... That that part was that's that's my favorite part, honestly. Um, and so, I also had um, uh, vi- the visual encyclopedias that um, you know Pablo Hidalgo does, and um, and those were like all the reference books because I wanted to I wanted to to feel like a Star Wars book, and and Galaxy's Edge feels like a Star Wars world because the outside world is 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 all there for you to buy and explore. Um, so like what kind of animals are there and what kind of ships are, are, are in the, the, you know, the, the, the docking bays and, and, and all of that just went into it. So I had a lot of books. (laughs) I mean, as a Star Wars book nerd, I mean, I'm like, oh my God, that's so amazing. (laughs) You know, it's so funny though, just listening to all of the points of reference that you've had and your thoughts on how to make it feel like a Star Wars book because, and it's going to sound like I'm brown nosing this entire time. You just have to know <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this book. I really yeah. did. Um, but that was actually one of my concerns going into it, if I'm being totally honest, was these are totally new characters and this mm-hmm. is a totally new place. So how is it going to feel like Star Wars if I don't have Jedi to talk about or I right. don't have... Luke and Han and Leia and I don't have all these other connections and it still really did feel like a Star Wars book you're able to get those references into the force and even the Jedi um, what's going on around other planets even with you know First Order and Resistance mm-hmm. but was it more I guess just freeing and did you feel like it was easier to write it and make it feel like Star Wars without <laughs> having to make those strong connections? Or was it more challenging without it? I think it was it was it was a little bit of both. It was freeing in a way because I was like, okay, I don't have, you know, I feel the poor soul who's gonna do the whoever, like if they do a novelization of Kylo Ren, that poor author, you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> they're like no dibs no dibs i take all right all right i take, I take back my tweet 
so it, it's, you know, I, in that sense, I, I'm, I have a clean slate. There are no expectations for these characters. Izzy and Jules are just two, like two of many people that exist in this galaxy that is ginormous. But the, the other expectation is I do still want Star Wars fans to feel like it's a Star Wars book. And so while I was writing it, it was a very short deadline. Um, so I had, I consumed so much coffee that I actually can't really drink coffee anymore. <laughs> um, but it, the pressure was really intense only because I created it myself. I think mm-hmm. that the Star Wars book readers are really really engaging and really wonderful to the writers um, and supportive. So that part I knew that I, that part I knew was, I would be fine with. Um, It's more of like making sure that I'm telling a good story because my voice as a writer is different than some, than other people. Like I write differently than Delilah Dawson and I write differently than Daniel Jose older. He's my bro, you know, but like we have different styles. So if you say like you like, one specific author, you know, this Zoraida book is going to be so different. Um, but not in that, like, I'm not like other girls kind of way more. And like, it's just a different book. Um, and I'm really, you know, I just hope people like it. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. One of the things I've praised the new canon about is they are letting writers kind of be their own, be themselves. You know, I think in, the old expanded universe, there was such an attempt to keep that action adventure sci-fi feel to it that not everybody yeah. could execute on really well, right? Whereas now you've got like Alexander Freed specializing in like the infantry and squadrons mm-hmm. and you've got things like Daniel Jose Older doing this crazy time jump thing that was just so interesting. You know, all these different approaches to books. So, I mean, I guess what I'm, what I'm, really getting to is in this one you do one we kind of haven't seen before which is jumping back and forth between the dual protagonists so is is there a different approach to writing it with a with dual protagonists do you do you go through all of one character first and all one character second it's or? funny um i honestly i didn't realize that that was so new to start because i because lost stars is like that um you have uh uh cyana and Thane's point of views back and forth and you know what it is that is very much a romance book narrative um if you read if you read a lot of if you read romance novels like usually at least the ones I write and the ones that I some of the ones I read you go back and forth between points of views um and so I I think that the the reason that I wanted to bring that structure over was because um you're there obviously the time the time crunch that's happening. You have such few time, uh, such little time with these characters that you need to see what they see um, from from the from the moment they wake up, their their day is starting to like the 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 end. Um, and I I use a hero structure, um, and I also use the Maureen Murdoch, the heroine structure, mm. um, which is her like F you Joseph Campbell. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, structure. Uh, so I use both of them and, yeah. and I, I mock and I mock everything up for what they need to go through. And then I flip back and forth from the out, like what the, the outline is, this is the story that needs to happen. And so who gets to tell whose point of view do I need to be in, in order to get this, this moment across. Right. So like when they're in doc under shop, they, we both need to see those, those moments. Um, 
and and I I write linearly. I'm not one of those writers who can write out of order. Um, so I have so I just just you know as soon as I'm done with one and I just went go to go to Izzy go to Jules and um, and sometimes you need to be in the same perspective in the same chapter. So there really is no no. Um, it's what the story calls for. It's not not premeditated. Okay, so it, it, you're not like sitting there and uh, you're like the guy with the all the pictures on the wall with the red strings attached and everything going crazy. <laughs> that well, that is that that usually is my writing process. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if I, I was like writing a book, yeah, I, I'd be right there with you. Um, but it it it's just I have so many notes and so I use this this app called uh, Scapple which is, um, if you're a writer, it's like a, dr- or actually anything, if you need to do like, ma- um, uh, oh my God, I just Mind blanked out on the word. <laughs> yeah. So like you just map, st- I map stories on it. It's like a white, just like a blank piece of paper on a screen. Um, and it's from the people who, who uh, created Scrivener. And so I do my outlines there and I just have everything. So that the the the, the image of the guy with like the, the board and the strings and the pictures, it's just all contained in this one document. So it's it's really cool. It's called Scapple and it's it's good to use. I also make family trees um, and I on there. Uh, so it's it's just a cool, cool app. That's really cool because. Mm. Uh, you know, I was mentioned before we started, you know, that I'm a teacher and we actually use mm-hmm. what we call thinking maps at my school. And it's cool now because I'm going to be like when the kids are complaining about writing, I'm going to be like, hey, this is what legit real authors do. And I'm just going to bring your book <laughs> in. and go, She wrote this. It's going to be credibility. You're giving me cred and I appreciate it. <laughs> Great. Excellent. Um, so, so actually i kind of want to go off of that just because one of the things um that struck me was it's almost i would say reminiscent of the way claudia gray would kind of drop things in she did this a lot in master and apprentice and i realized it a lot in crash of fate is you mentioned these little tiny backstories you know either adventures that izzy had gone on or things that had happened on that too that jules had witnessed so did you kind of really think out all these different adventures and plot them along the way? Realize maybe, you know, I don't have time to talk about the whole thing. I'm just going to make these brief mentions. <laughs> or is this even something that you're hoping to maybe, please, 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 go back to with some short stories or tell these stories some other ways? Because I would love to do, like, the Chronicles of Izzy. <laughs> that would be great. I actually... I have an idea for uh, a second book of because like, uh, you know, the answer is like, what happens to them? And um, I have an idea for a second book. So I, I don't know if it's actually ever going to happen. But if they if they if they're like, oh, we need another Galaxy's Edge book, I'm going to be like, here you go. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Here, I've had this done for two months now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. I've been thinking about it forever. No. Uh, what, could, could, what was the first part of your question again? Um, I guess really just. Did you come oh, did up do with, like, for, these full-fleshed ideas um, and just kind of have to cut them at all, or...? No, 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 no. Um, when I... During the first draft of my books, I sort of let the character just, like, word vomit. Um, and, you know, it's like sometimes... It's like when you're at a party and you just... You're telling these anecdotes. Um, because you don't... 
I, you don't get to experience what this other person experienced, but like, what are the things that they remember? Like everybody has like a sense of, um, a sense of memory when, when, when they, when they, when they look at anything. So what, what will, if, if Izzy sees this one shop, what will it remind her of? And as I was writing, I would, I would, I would come up with it on the spot. And then during edits, some, I think I, I, I would shift some of those memories like, Oh, this would work better over here. Um, but before I start writing, I look at the scene that I have to write or the chapter that I have to write. And I, I doodle. <laughs> it's very technical, you know. Um, I just like I I I do like little um, free writing and thinking, asking myself questions about what happened to her. That how does she react to certain things that Izzy that Jules might say, or how to you know like what is her what is is there what is her bruise right like what is this thing this thing that is always going to bother her. Mm. Um, and so I, I don't do it too much ahead of time. Um, and sometimes when a scene calls for a specific memory, I would just, you know, make it up and, and hope that it worked. Was there anything like any memories or little Easter eggs or, or anything of that nature that you put in there originally that had to be pulled either story group said no or you were like, this doesn't really work there, something like that? Um, not really. I think that everything was very smooth with this process. It was, sometimes it was more like there aren't enough. So mm -hmm. I, I would, I would draw more things. Um, working with story group is so much fun because they'll read your book and leave comments. And sometimes people comment on each other's comments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, it's really fun. Uh, and, and basically sometimes I don't know how, certain things work because like you know obviously I love Star Wars but I don't know a lot of technical things about like some ships or speeders and things like that um so I was like I need this speeder to do this thing and if it can't do it then the scene is ruined <laughs> obviously <laughs> obviously book I was, over yeah book over nothing works um but they were like oh yeah you could just uh and then they gave me a bunch of like technical jargon that I could use and and then voila, the scene is saved, and there is a book. <laughs> that's 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 funny because one of the things I've always kind of wondered about, like Star Wars books, is you have the little like I call it Star Warsies. Like instead of coffee, you have calf. Instead of the restroom, you have the refresher. So when you were writing, were there things like that where you're like, I don't know what animal goes here, but it should be something like a giraffe or whatever, and. I don't, so you wrote in like the the secular version of it, and then had to replace it with Star Wars. <laughs> um, I try to do. I don't know how the other writers write. I know that I feel like I think E.K. Johnson on Twitter said that she'll be like T.K. Animal, and then have have somebody help her out with like what she needs to fill in. But I'm really neurotic and um, controlling when it comes to my writing, <laughs> so I. I would. I went into that visual encyclopedia in the animal section, and I looked at all the animals, and I was like, "Okay, I need this kind. This animal works for this for this description." So I could have saved myself so much time if I didn't do that. But well, where's the fun in that? Exactly. And then this way, I there was a scene where I needed to describe what an Athorian sounded like, and somebody in story group sent me like gave me a. Um, 
a, a link to a clip of an old, um, like a group of Ithorians fighting. And I can't really recall where it was from, if it was from a game or if it was from a different TV show, like uh, it was definitely not Clone Wars, but so I, I got, I, I just replayed this clip of Ithorians like yelling and <laughs> um, <laughs> it's wild. And, and I, cause I like to do the research, right? It's, it's part of the, it's part of the fun. And I get to know more about Star Wars that way too. I feel like that would give me the craziest dreams. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So just in, in terms of, you can definitely feel kind of your passion for Star Wars, you know, before all of this started and before that miraculous day where your tweet was answered, mm-hmm. what kind of brought you into the Star Wars galaxy the first time? Um, I think it was my family. I grew up with, um, I'm from Ecuador. So, I remember, I think we watched it in Spanish first. Um, and then when we, uh, I moved to New York with my family when I was five. And it just was sort of always there. Like my uncles were really into it. I live with, I, I grew up with my mom and her brothers and my, and my grandmother. Um, and then my little brother came along and ruined my only child life. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, the book is dedicated to him. So that's, that's who that is in that, that dedication. That was um, super cool to see too. Yeah. Uh, so when we were little, like it was the old, he, in order for him to wake up, to go to school when he was up, up till 10 years old, um, my uncle would put on either Michael Jackson's moonwalker. Cause I don't know. It, it, he let, we love the videos or, um, uh, like star Wars, like our star Wars VHS. And he would, and that would wake him that he would wake up to watch that and like, and then, and then, you know, go, get dressed and eat and go to school so it was like our uncle, that was like our uncle's like manipulation of, 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 of getting him to getting him ready for the day. <laughs> so <laughs> best uncle and, ever. I know. So it was just always sort of part of our, part of our lives. And then in high school, I remember in high school, like it was just, there, this, it, I don't know if it's just me, but there was like a period of time where like, if you liked any nerd stuff, it was just not cool. And then now everything is like, all of our nerd stuff is cool now. Like, you know, yes. and, so great. Yeah. yeah, it is. And so, but when I was in high school, um, it, it, there, like the, the, the sci-fi club was only boys and it was, it was like a boys club and that was annoying. So I just sort of liked star Wars on my own because none of my other friends liked it until then I was in college and I was like, look at this wide world of nerds. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> this is my place. Uh-huh. That's uh, so cool. I actually went through something similar where I, you know, saw Star Wars first time. I was nine years old and I was absolutely obsessed. And all through middle school and everything, anytime we got to have like a dress down day, I always wore like my Jedi Academy t-shirt or like my big <laughs> Darth Maul t-shirt. And then I got to high school and it was like, oh, got to put this on the back burner for a bit. <laughs> and then, then all of a sudden, you know, the, the new trilogy starts up and the new canon picks up again. And I was like, you know what? This time around, I'm going to just let my freak flag fly. Yeah. And all of my friends from high school were like, we never knew you were like this into it. I was like, why do you think I never really wanted you to like come over to my house and see my room? <laughs> I feel like you look at all my toys. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true, though. I actually still have. Now my nephews are five and three. And I have an entire room just dedicated to Star Wars at my house now. 
And when they come over, it's like I can pull out all of my old toys for them to play with. And my friends from high school see it. And they're like, where were you hiding this? Oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's really like it's it's an amazing time to live in because, I mean, my whole classroom is Star Wars. And I'll walk around campus with a lightsaber and my, you know. My fifth graders like, why are you doing that? Like, I'm like, are you more surprised that I have a lightsaber, or would you be more surprised that I don't have a lightsaber? Right? Like, Very true. And it's so cool that we live in this age where like everybody can kind of find their their place and be free to be in their place. And I think one of the things that that Star Wars has been doing lately, and I I don't want this to come off as like SJW, whatever, but they have been diversifying. You know, like. Yeah. Which, which should be happening because a lot of the old stuff was a bunch of old white dudes. And once that was brought to the attention, like, like for example, me, like I'm a middle-class Christian white guy. Like I'm your stereotypical fanboy, And I never <laughs> realized until it was brought to my attention, like, Hey, we do not have a lot of women writing here. We don't have a lot of people of color people and things like color, that. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it was like very eye opening to see just a, that that was happening but also b they've brought in so so many different types of people and i I believe you're the first uh female hispanic author um to pen a star wars book in this new canon so what is what's that mean yeah that's really cool like i'm the first like like latina author and i think that i mean that i know of because sometimes people do change their names you know to for reasons but to at this moment, that's, you know, I'll, I'll be your, I'm your, I'm your unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that it's very important to me because I get to like my family in Ecuador, my, my, I have a, I have half siblings in Ecuador, uh, and my, my, my father is there, you know, for them, they're, they're, it's a huge thing. They, they don't even know how to process it, you know, but they're, they're very happy, obviously, because they love, they love Star Wars. Um, and it's, it's sort of like culturally, I feel, you know, as an immigrant, you come to this country and you're like, you, you're expected to be the good immigrant and you're, you, you know, you, you have to like chase this American dream. Like, what does the American dream mean? Does it mean like growing up to be a doctor? Does it, or does it mean to grow up to write novels and, (laughs) and write a star Wars novel. Um, and, and so, you know, so for me, like culturally there's like a pressure to do stuff because I'm, you know, I'm the first, I'm, I'm the first generation here, um, uh, with my family. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure for me. I feel culturally to be like on my best behavior. Cause I feel like I'm representing all like Latinas, <laughs> But, and to do well, right? Because I feel like if I, if like, if I don't do well, it, is it a, it's like a reflection on, on my people. It's not just like, Mm -hmm. like, whereas if, if, if like somebody else who is not me, like, like if a, if a a white sci-fi writer doesn't do well, it's not, it's not about his work, right? It's not about him as a person. And so I think Mm -hmm. that's the difference. And I, become more aware of that, um, as I continue, as like I navigate the publishing industry. But honestly, I think that Disney, uh, Lucasfilm and Del Rey are very, um, they understand that like 
diversifying doesn't mean taking away quality. Yeah. It's just these, it's the same, like it's great quality of work. Claudia Gray, you know, best to me, like hers are my favorite star Wars books. Um, and she just happens to be a girl like <laughs> women mm-hmm. can write star Wars. And so it, it's, it's, fa- it's fascinating um, that people are having these conversations, but at the end of the day, uh, nerds come in all, uh, all like backgrounds and genders. <laughs> well, it's like you're, you weren't hired because you're Latina, right? Yeah. Like, you were hired yeah. because you're a great writer who happens to be Latina, you know? And I think, that's kind of where the conversation gets a little muddied with this whole idea of forced diversity. Like yeah. having it at the forefront of your mind that like we need to have these kind of people. That sounds really terrible. I apologize. But but needing to have a diverse group of people telling this story is really important. But we're not going to hire, you know, this this person who hasn't sold any it's books. It's not a checklist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not a checklist. And there's still plenty of white guys, like straight white guys writing for Star Wars. Yeah. Like, and, and a lot of them are super cool. Like, they're, you know, they're wonderful writers. Um, and we're all great. Like, we're all good writers. And I think that it's, you know, I I, I, I got a lot of the, um, when I was doing research for, you know, it's kind of like, you get, you know, you get, it's like you get called to, to, to play from like the bench, right? Um, <laughs> and you're doing these warm ups, and so uh, I, I think that's how sports works. But <laughs> <laughs> yay, sports ball! <laughs> sports ball. Um, and so for me, it was like my warm up was reading so, as much as as much as I could find or was available to me of the Star Wars universe. And I I didn't know that they're still published. Like they still publish Legends, um, because I was like, this book is fairly new and it like the, the the edition that i got and it was um the knights of coruscant so i got the knights of coruscant and i got um ac crispin's uh han solo trilogy and so that was my research and i i do think that the the books are uh uh with the new with a new canon the st- stylistically is so different but also you have to think about it this way the the people that are being like asked to write star wars they're also known for other things in their fields. So like Daniel Mm -hmm. Holden Older, he is um, a New York Times bestseller in YA fantasy and adult urban fantasy. And Justina Ireland, she is a a young adult author, like a New York Times bestselling young adult author who writes um, fantasy as well. So they're, you know, they just didn't find like randos uh, just because they're, you know, people of color. They found like people who are already succeeding in their fields and brought them over for Star Wars. Yeah, it's almost like a blind taste test. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and so it's you know I'm really great. Also, you know everybody is adding their own voice to the galaxy, and the galaxy just keeps expanding. So in order for the galaxy to not feel like the same old stuff, you have to bring in different kinds of writers. Um, one of the books that I'm the most excited about is Rebecca Rowanhor's Rise of the Resistance. Um, oh, yeah. Um, or is it or Resistance Reborn? Resistance Reborn, excuse me. I'm so excited for that book. You have no idea. Oh, oh, <laughs> we <know>. do. <laughs> <laughs> you might be talking to the only two people on the planet who really know <laughs> how no, excited. But I mean, I, I, I'm totally there with you. And that's something I've praised the new canon about, even though there are a good number of books that I personally didn't love. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not a super huge 
fan of the Thrawn trilogy. I don't love the Aftermath trilogy. But for some people, that really is something that connects. Where yeah. um, I know to an extent there was that in the EU. But again, my, my view of the EU from what I've read of it, there's great stories in there, but a lot of them feel the same. And I love the freedom that the authors are getting like, I have to go back and revisit Last Shot. I've, I've reread bits and pieces of it, but I remember when I first started reading the book, and this is what really brought it to my attention, I was like, this is weird. It was just a very... <laughs> it re- really... And, and, and it made me really think, like, why is it weird? And it was weird because it was so different from what everything else was. And then as I read more of it, it that became an endearing part of the story. Um, and something that I, I really like about that. And I feel like, to an extent, that kind of opened the floodgates to allow these different kinds of stories that are coming in where you can have the action adventure with an alphabet squadron. Um, you can have kind of the the goofy little... Uh, Love alphabet squadron. <laughs> yeah, you can have the popcorn books like Chewbacca and the Forest of Fear living in the same yeah. galaxy with Crash of Fate and Inferno Squad. You know, and, and it's... Yeah, oh, I love Inferno Squad. Oh, don't, oh, oh, don't yeah. get us started. <laughs> love it love it but you know it's what's striking to me though is having this conversation about who's telling the stories and the different points of views in these stories and then we're talking too about how it's kind of cool to be a nerd again and I think the two are actually interrelated you know you said it earlier and you talk about time and time again in this story there are no coincidences it's all fate and I think part of the reason why it's cool to be a nerd again and why these fandoms are expanding the way they are is because of those different points of views telling the story. You know, I spoke before about my five-year-old nephew. When I sit him down to watch Star Wars, you would think it would be Anakin, Luke, and Poe, who he's really interested in. Instead, anytime Ray is not on screen, he's sitting there going, where's Ray? Where's Ray? What's Ray doing? <laughs> you know, he loves Ray. Yeah. I have one friend who he is big, big fan. He's in the 501st, and he was able to finally get his girlfriend interested in these stories and join the 501st herself because of Dr. Afra. You know, that yeah. never would have happened 20, 40 years ago. Right. So now having all these new voices, I think it's carrying over into the fandom and just keeping those conversations going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super cool stuff. Yeah. So no, it's, uh, no accents there. No. And I, I think like, it's really exciting for me. Like, like I said earlier, I, I work with, uh, like, I think my school is like 98 or 99%, uh, Latino, Latina. And oh. yeah, it's super cool. And so like, I'm already like, all right, well, how am I going to get more of these books into my library? Because I want to be able to, to share with these kids what, someone with your background is able to Mm -hmm. do because a lot of them are immigrants or their parents are immigrants or whatever. So, and, and for me personally being like stereotype of a fanboy, uh, at least on the outside, Mm -hmm. it it never, it was never something I had to think of seeing myself on the screen. Like I have never really connected with the Lukes. I liked Han because everybody likes Han, but I've always been more (laughs) of a Leia, Ray, Ahsoka is my favorite character, but I I think I was I think I was, oh, we can talk about that in a minute. Um, I think I was allowed to do that because, yeah, there was Luke there. There was all, you know, this white guy here, this white guy there. And now there are just so many diverse characters that you do have people who are able to connect with so many different people. And I think 
It's giving people the freedom to connect with people who do look like them, who don't look like them, instead of forcing people to be like, here's Luke Skywalker, here's your hero, you know? Um, right. And you yeah. have people like Bria uh, Lavornia uh, loving Aiden. And it's just, it's so cool. So, Oh, yeah. She's uh, she's doing my in conversation at my event on on Saturday. Oh, she's the coolest <laughs> in D.C. Yeah, she's super cool. So for you, you mentioned Poe earlier. Uh, you mentioned Ahsoka. Like, who are those characters that are your stalwarts? Your this is my guy. This is my girl. Um, so from the the tri- they're like the original trilogy, it would probably be it was it was always Han like. I was always there for Han, and I think that he's a complicated character, um, and I love seeing him like in the in the supplementary, like in the comics. I love seeing him in books. Um, in the new movies, I do think that I love Poe, but and I think that there's so much room for him to be developed um, on screen. I just I just think that he needs more 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 screen time. Um, so those are like. Those are my guys. <laughs> I really hope he gets Very more good. screen time in nine. Yeah. I also like, I've always, I really love Cassian Andor. I think that yes. he's a character that I wish that we had more time with and we will with like the new streaming show. So I'm so thrilled for that. And you know, like Latinos are very blessed to have such great representation. Um, I mean, or like decent, better than others. Uh, decent representation <laughs> with like Diego Luna and um, Oscar Isaac and um, Jimmy Smith's like <laughs> yes. so it's you know see when I got to see those guys on stage I was like oh my god well and it's super <laughs> it's like cool. a revelation like with Diego Luna uh, Diego Lu- Luna I can talk I can speak English <laughs> um, you know getting to keep his accent and you know the story about what yeah. that meant to his dad to to see uh, his son on screen with his accent. And I mean, it may, it makes sense everywhere because our world is diverse, but in the star Wars galaxy where you literally have thousands of planets, thousands of moons with thousands of species, like the idea that it wouldn't be diverse is more confusing than it would be, you know, like, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, it's like, it's like, okay. So everyone, Everyone speaks in a British accent. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, uh, so it's Britain. Okay, got it. Um, got it. Got it. It's like it's like a, it's like in fantasy novels. The default is always like the British Empire. Yeah. Um. So it's that's been those. It's been really great to watch and 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 see everything sort of develop and 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 you know we're not suffering for it. We're getting such cool material and such cool stuff. Uh, and Galaxy's Edge is just like another part of it. And it's like the first time we get a physical representation of of this galaxy right like the first time we can visit it the first time we can say i went there and i got to you know make my life my 200 hundred dollar lightsaber <laughs> um that minor and, little fact <laughs> i know i'm like i'm just uh, i'll i'll keep my my 16 dollar one for now <laughs> <laughs> toys r us was good to me <laughs> yeah so you know there's there's no limit to star wars right now i think do you know when you're the gonna be able to be. To go to Galaxy's Edge? Um, I hope to be able to make it this year. Okay, so, cool. yeah. Well, definitely, uh, I'm sure keep a watch on your Twitter and stuff because I really, I really want to see you go there and just get this, you know, like, see. I'm going to take every- my book and I'm going to, like, just 
be hold it up to like each page where things take place, <laughs> and I'm like, yes. and then this is where this took place. Well, there's like I'll do. A- I'll do a walking tour of, of a crash oh, of fate. <laughs> that would be so make a little map of it and everything. That would be great. Uh-huh. Well, like there's there's little things that you you put in there that I'm just really excited about going to see. Like um, one of the statues that I think it was Doc Ondar mentioned is a gravestone and stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. I want I want to stand there. Like I want to learn more about that. It's it's so super cool. So I want to go to the wishing tree. Yes. <laughs> Right? Like, is that, Wait, gonna, is is that, that... going to be, is that there? Yeah. I mean, it was there in the sub, in the, the materials that I was given. So whether or not it's, they actually made it is another question. Oh, they better have. Cause there you go. I hope so. I know. What's your, <laughs> what's your number one thing you want to see in galaxy's edge that you have in your novel? I want to go to docs. Yeah. You know, I think docs is a place doc Anders. Um, den of antiquities. I keep calling it den of iniquities, and I'm like, that's not the right word. <laughs> but it rolls off the tongue so uh, nicely. Yeah, uh, den of sin. No. Uh, so, <laughs> docs is a place where the outside world comes to it, right? And and that's what the black black spire outpost is. Black spire outpost is a place where like people are either you know running away from something or trying to make a new star or just passing through, and so you have these different kinds of people there. Um, but at Docs, Docs is like collecting items from the galaxy. So you have anything from like, quote unquote, the bones of a Jedi to like a, a, an, a, an Ewok headdress to like a, a taxidermied wampa. And um, uh, I think he has a the, like the Sarlacc in the in the little tank. Um, so there's so much stuff there and you can like you can. For a kid like like Jules, he can go to this shop and be like, I can see the galaxy from here because I have little pieces of it just by yeah. being in the store. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's wild. And it, I mean, it also didn't just feel like fan service that was that it was in the story. It was such a strong part of, like you said before, that structure of the novel. And it really helps move the plot forward. Um, one other thing, though, I definitely want to get your thoughts on before we take up too much of your time um this is something that felt so inherently star wars to me was how you portray the parents here because i think (laughs) that who your parents are and the lessons they teach you obviously is so core to star wars so Mm -hmm. what was it like writing those you know well they weren't part of the story itself but they were still so important to those characters so what was it Uh like writing those parents for you when it came to developing the parents um i try to think of it as what it's like not knowing who your like who your parents really are as a teenager right so izzy and jules are both 18 years old and izzy doesn't she grew up with her parents she lived with them um but she didn't really know what her mother did. Like she didn't know her mom's past. She didn't know. And that's like true for most people in the real world. Like you don't always know the things that your parents did when they were young and impulsive and, or trying to, you know, trying to make a living. Like, um, that's not to say that everybody's parents has a secret dark past, but that was very much the case for Izzy. Um, and the thing that is driving her because she's like, I want to be like my mom. I want to be like a badass, you know, um, smuggler like my mom and then when she realizes that she never really knew her mom at all 
um, does that change the trajectory of her life? Because all of a sudden she understands the truth, right? So like, is it going to, if she, if she still wants to be like her mom, is she going to do all those things, make all those bad choices? Like, no. So how does, how does like our parents past and choices affect what we do as people when we're growing up? And that's a very hero's journey thing, right? Like the loss of a Mm -hmm. mentor can happen in so many fashions, whether it's, you know, like Obi-Wan literally dying or Luke losing his vision of what his father was, right? And you've got kind of the same thing there, except for, you know, it's a a mother and daughter situation, which is super cool. So I guess, does it, being a, a mother and daughter, does that affect kind of how you tell that particular type of story at all? Or is that something that you found is something that supersedes gender or anything else like that? Um, yeah, I didn't really think of it. I, I, I don't think I was, I'm pretty sure I, you know, that, that time of writing this book was such a whirlwind. And like I said, (laughs) like I said, the deadline was, you know, so short that I, it, it, it was a blur at this point, but when it came to writing her, I think that as like, because I gave them roles that in our society, in like our American society are considered like masculine traits, right? Um, that I was paying close attention to um, how Izzy interacts with her world based on the choices that her mother made. Um, and so, I don't know. I think that, that I, I didn't think of it too much on like the gender politics of it. Um, I just did want her to be the, like a, I did want to reverse her family roles where mm-hmm. her mom is the one actively, you know, work, like her dad also worked, but he was more like, like a soft archeologist kind of guy or like, you know, yeah. somebody who liked ruins and old stuff and teaching like yeah. a teacher. Um, and, and I wanted those because I think that we're so obsessed with like the, like toxic masculinity in our culture that for me, I really wanted to have Izzy to have like a, a, a gentle, kind father who was not involved in like, you know, um, smuggling or, or, or those kinds of things. That's awesome. And, and it makes the story so much stronger too. I think when you aren't thinking in terms of, okay, well the father should have this role. So I need to give him these qualities and the mother should be doing this with her daughter. And I think it it makes it, like I said before, you relate to it. At least I personally related to it so much because it didn't have those forced gender norms. It also Mm -hmm. didn't feel forced that you were breaking those norms. It just felt very natural. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So, to close out, we have, um, it's normally five questions, but I've got a bonus question for you at the end. And we do uh, rapid fire. Are you ready for this? Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I feel like you're going to be like the most prepared person because you spent like all this time looking at the encyclopedias and everything. <laughs> uh, first one's a softball. What's the most recent Star Wars movie you watched and why? The most recent Star Wars movie I watched was uh, Rogue One because I was in on an airplane. <laughs> 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 I mean, if you're going to be on a plane, you might as well watch the best Star Wars movie. And cry. Like, I think <laughs> I just, I I was on a flight coming home from San Diego Comic-Con and they had Rogue One. And I was like, you know, I had a lot of Star Wars stuff today. 
but I really just want to watch this. And I, you know, if it's on, I'll, I'll like, I'll watch it. It's, it's my favorite Star Wars movie. And, um, even though I, you know, the ending, I like, I know the ending's coming and I'm always like, oh. well, you're in good company. <laughs> it's weird if you aren't. Yeah. When we talked to Claudia Gray, she was like, well, Rogue One was on when I came in the house. So I just watched it. And I'm like, that, that's the appropriate answer. That's good right there. <laughs> Okay, Yeah. this one you can take in Galaxy or out of Galaxy, whichever direction you want to. Who is your Star Wars partner in crime or BFF? My Star Wars partner in crime and, and BFF, you know what? I would probably, I would probably pick um, my friend Danielle Clayton, who she's, an, she's also a, a YA author and she writes fantasy. And she, she will be like, I would be the nice person and she would basically be the person who gets me like a deal um, and negotiates. Like she'll be the negotiator because I can't do that. Like if something's wrong with your reservation, she will get you a free meal by like talking, <laughs> you know, like she's so what you're saying wonderful is she's Dr. Afra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, what would your Star Wars pet be? My Star Wars pet would be a Porg. Yes, <laughs> correct answer. I geeked out so much when I looked at your website and saw you holding a little stuffed Porg. <laughs> I was like, this is my people. I like you already. All right. Yeah, so I had a, I have a, um, that stuffed Porg was like, I basically held it. It was my stress Porg when I was on writing retreat. <laughs> it absorbs oh, my stress it. for me. I, uh, so I went to San Diego last year, um, to speak at a con and it was where I proposed to my fiance and met a friend there, uh, Vernon who had a pork backpack and he kind of was like, we got pretty close there, whatever. And he goes, I'm going to ask you something and you can say no if you want to. He said, would you feel more comfortable if the ring was in the pork backpack? And I was like, you have no idea how much more comfortable I would be. (laughs) So the ring sat in the pork backpack until I was ready. And it, I think that was good mojo. Oh, my God. Great. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. So what Star Wars character would you let take over your Twitter account? Ooh. Um, probably Ahsoka. Yes. <laughs> nice. I think we're best friends now. I think that's. <laughs> you know, I really do feel like you guys are just the same person. I think you're past best friends and just morphed into one. <laughs> You're, you're, you are actually right, Ardova. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> okay. I'm, I'm actually getting the feeling that when I was 10 minutes late, Brandon was like, and here's how I would answer all of these questions. You should answer it this way and really just freak Lindsay out because I am freaked out right now. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That The recorder wasn't running. It didn't happen. Favorite Star Wars one-liner? Favorite Star Wars one-liner? Um... Or favorite. Like any quote. line. Like any line, yeah. Like not a back and Man. forth, just a single line. You know, I don't know if it's my favorite, but sometimes uh I think about I think a lot about uh Luke saying Luke whining and saying, But I have to go to Tachi Station and pick up power converters. I don't know why that line <laughs> always like I'll just be sitting down and I'll hear him say that. I I don't know what it is. Um, but th- that's not my favorite line. I think my favorite line is, um, is I love you, I know. <gasps> okay, Classic. now we're really the same person. <laughs> 
You want another great story? I don't like this at all. I don't think I've told this story on before, but when I told my now fiance that I love her for the first time, she kind of looked at me and was like, okay. And so, and I chose the worst moment to do it. So she was leaving for work. And so I go back upstairs and she texted me, I know. And I said, did you just Han Solo me? And she goes, absolutely <laughs> did. And then I, I knew it was all going to be okay. And so our thing is, I love you, I know, except reverse. So that's so cool. That's so cute. Oh, my God. That's all right. adorable. This is a question that I want to hear your answer. And we know you don't have any spoilers or any inside information, so let's get that out of the way. What do you want to see happen with Poe in Episode Nine? Do you want, like, oh, so I did this for my launch party with Justina Ireland. We had, um, we had, uh, episode nine predictions but only wrong answers oh okay go for it <laughs> she wanted my wrong answer was han solo is going to be a force ghost that uh just haunts kylo ren uh and um kind of like in hamlet or like in uh indian or is indiana jones where you chose poorly you know like that's <laughs> that ghost guy <laughs> i love it i love it just sit, he just sitting on just, Kylo's shoulder. Just like, yeah, just like, like you chose poorly. Like, um, so, but with Poe, damn it, I, you know, I, I don't like to speculate just because I just want the movie to happen to me. Like, I just want it in my face, yeah. existing, yeah. being this great moment. Um, I would love Poe to, to, to like his journey to sort of pivot so that he has learned from his mistakes in episode eight um, and about that he, you know, not being like a flashy hero, um, but still keeping his, you know, wonderful um, Guatemalan swagger. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and um, I want him to live because Oscar Isaac has notoriously been, you know, killed off in all of his sci-fi movies. Mm. Um, so oh my God. I, was, <laughs> well, I, I never I Did never not, noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm going through the list in my head. I'm like, well, this isn't good. <laughs> Lindsay, you didn't know about that? That's the only reason no. he was kept alive in The Force Awakens. Yeah. He wanted the role, but he was supposed to die in that first, uh, in the uh, TIE Fighter crash. First, yeah. And he was like, I'll take the role, but I have to live because I'm tired of being the one who dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Oh, I don't like this one bit. Get me off. <laughs> no, I think... I think Poe is going to be our character. If we get stuff post episode nine, I think we'll get it from like him being the leader of whatever. The resistance. Yeah. Whatever the galactic thing of government becomes. So, all right. Oh, well, may the force will it. So, <laughs> 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 no, anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll see soon. I, I mean, it's only what, like five months away. We're not going to, we're not going to go crazy before then. No, not us. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why don't you go ahead and tell uh, our listeners where they can find you, anything you're working on you want to plug, all that kind of good stuff. So you can find me on Twitter, the phrase Z like in Zorro. On Instagram, I am Zoraida Solo. <laughs> and um, my website is ZoraidaCordova.com. I'm currently working on the first of a duology. It's a YA high fantasy. Um, it's a very violent <laughs> it's uh, about a, a, a magic thief a thief who who steals memories and her trying to take down this like tyrannical uh tyrannical king in a world that sort of looks like um 
15th century Spain. Uh, and that's, that's the next thing that I have coming out next year. So uh, I'm keeping so awesome. busy with, uh, with book stuff. So awesome. So awesome. And so definitely go check out uh, the other books and check out this book. Check out Crash of Fate if you haven't. We'll have our uh, full review episode coming out very soon. Uh, very excited to talk about this book even more. So stay tuned for that. Uh, you can, of course, always email us your thoughts, ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com or tweet us at ClashingSabers. There is, of course, our Facebook group where all our stuff gets posted. That is the Clashing Sabers Star Wars community. I want to give a special shout out to all of the new listeners. We've been getting new listeners every show, and it's super exciting. So welcome to the Clashing Sabers family, and we are honored that you're here. But remember this one thing. You must keep reading. You must keep writing. But whatever you do, don't burn the sacred text. All right, by this point, you know how this goes. Their stuff, their stuff, our stuff, our stuff. Not associated with Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy, give me a call. Dave Filoni, I'm there if you need me. Our thoughts? They're our thoughts. They don't reflect Lucasfilm or anybody else associated with this stuff. So, if you don't like it, we're sorry. If you do like it, great. Let us know either way on iTunes, on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on. Rate us, review us, share us, tell your friends about us, and dadgummit, whatever you do, just don't burn the sacred text.